Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. Interesting to me that when Peter encounters Jesus for the first time, uh, he becomes aware of his sinfulness. And what, what, what did he, what did he, do? he didn't do anything. Jesus just kind of sat in his boat and taught. And yet I thought, just being around Jesus makes you aware that you're not as holy as he is. There's something about just his presence convicts you, convicted him of sin. Now, Peter wasn't any kind of a hardened criminal. He wasn't some kind of a psycho reprobate. He was just an ordinary blue-collar fisherman, a Jewish man, living, you know, living his life. But he's aware of his sinfulness in the presence of Jesus. And then after that, it says, in, G, in verse 10, and Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. You'll be fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. They gave it all. They forsook it all. And I, you know, my, my silly mind sometimes thinks, well, he just left everything. Who's going to make the lease payment on my boat? You know, how am I going to put food on the table for my kids? I, I just walking away from this? But when Jesus calls, there's something about that call. You can't, you, you can say no, but, it, you, but you can't say no. And there's no, it's like, you don't even think about the consequences. You just do it because you know you have to. I remember when I left the Air Force, I took a walk one day uh, out behind George School. We live, we live fairly close to George School. I took a walk out behind George School and uh, I, was, I was crying. I said, God, how am I going to support my family? How am I going to, I got car payments. I got a, I got a mortgage payment. How am I going to put my kids to school? What's going to happen? 
And I just felt the Lord just kind of came on me and just, just gave me peace. It's like, just don't worry about it. I'll take care. He didn't say that, but that's the sensing I had. God just said, just follow me. I'll take care of it. And, you know, it wasn't easy. We've had some real struggles along the way, but God's been faithful. And he'll be faithful to you if you just follow him. They just, just, just put everything else aside and say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And that's what Peter did. He just began to follow him. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, As Jesus went from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and he followed him. It's the, it's the invitation that God makes to all of us. When he comes, he just says, follow me. But it's up to us to respond. You know, in Revelation chapter 3, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus doesn't force his way into anybody's life. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. And it's up to us to open. God makes the invitation. Here I am. I'm knocking on the door of your life. But will you let me in? Will you open the door of your heart and let me in and be the Lord of your life and bless you and in the end take you to heaven? But it's the invitation he makes for all of us. If anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself, take up his cross and what? And follow me. He's calling us to follow him with all of our hearts. But not everybody responds to say in the same way. You know, I was thinking of the, the rich young ruler in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. This man comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments. And he lists them. And he, and he says, I've done all these things. I, I'm, I'm basically, I'm a good person. I'm a good man. What else do I need to do? And Jesus said to him, sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. But you know what? The money was more important to him and he couldn't do it. He turned his back and walked away. It's the worst thing anybody could do is walk away. But Peter and James and John and Matthew, they followed him with all their heart. They walked away from everything and followed him. Now, fast forward three years. Peter's been following Jesus. He's had some uh, very supernatural experiences in his life. He, he, got a, he got a direct revelation from the Father of who Jesus is. Remember when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? He walked on water. He heard the voice of God speak on the mountain. He saw 5,000 people fed with a little boy's lunch. He, raised, he saw people raised from the dead. He saw countless healings and miracles. And now... It's coming to the end of Jesus' ministry on the earth. And turn with me to Matthew, chapter 26. In Matthew 26, they've just finished what we know as the Last Supper. And in verse 30 it says, After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. 
But after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, this very night, before a rooster crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same things too. Not me, boss. Everybody else may, but not me. Never going to happen. I'm, I'm with you all the way, you know. But he denied him. Jesus is arrested. Jesus is brought before the Jewish rulers. They begin to mistreat him. They begin to beat him. And, uh, and that same night, the same night that Peter said he would never deny him, he denies him three times. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, so later on in this same chapter, it says the first time he, he just denied him. The second time he denies him with an oath. And the third time he began to curse and swear and say, I don't know. I mean, his denial got stronger and stronger and stronger. And then a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words that he had said before, a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I wonder how many people can relate to that. How many of people that we know told the Lord at some point in their life concerning a weakness or some area in my life, I'll never do that again, Lord. And you did it again. And you repented and you came to God and you said, God, I'm sorry, I, forget, I, I missed it again. I, I'll never do that again, Lord. And you did it again. You remember the original encounter that Peter had in Luke chapter 5 when he left everything and followed him? And, and when we encountered Jesus the first time, we told him we'd do anything for him, we'd go anywhere for him, we'd say anything for him. In my own life, I remember a day, I don't know what day it was, but shortly after the... Uh, Shortly after the, year, uh, the Lord called us out of the Air Force, I remember kneeling by my bed, and I was weeping. I was weeping like a baby. And I was just saying, God, I want to serve you. God, I'll do anything for you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. You know, it's, it's when we first come to God, and God is moving in our lives, we're so grateful. At least I, most people that I know, we're so, we just commit everything. God, we commit everything to you. Take us where you will, God. Do with, you, do with us what you want. And I think that's the way Peter was when, when God first called him. It's like he left everything and followed him. But now something happened. Now things have gotten difficult. And he, he made a mistake. He denied his Lord. And, uh, and, and this guilt and this condemnation came upon him. And now the Bible says he was following Jesus at a distance. He wasn't, he, he came in he didn't want to identify with him. He followed him closely for a few years. But now that things are going hard, he's following at a distance. And I wonder how many people that happens to. You know, when you first start walking with God, you're close to him. You pray. You go to church. You, you, you're, you, know, you sense the presence of God in your life. It's happened to so many people that, that we've known over the years. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, so don't, I, I'm not putting a, a trip on anyone. 
but we've seen it over the years. People that come to God and, and they're on fire for God. They're in church every Sunday. They're praying, they're reading their word. And then over, after about four or five years, you, they start to drift away. The world starts to creep back in. You know, and they don't, they're not in church like they used to. They're not praying like they used to. They're not as committed as they used to be. They kind of just drifted away. And you know, there's a current out there. It's like, there's a, there's a current like a river. And it's, it's the current of the world. And either we're, we're swimming against that current or it's gonna to begin to pull us back. And when we, when we start to just kind of uh, become a little bit lukewarm and start to go back a little, you start to drift back into the world. And some of the things you said that you, you said to God that you'd never do, you're, doing, you're starting to do them again. The world is creeping back in. And we feel like, we feel like we've missed it. What can God do with me? Well, we lost everything. We were in ministry for a few years. I'm trying to think of how many. Almost about 10 years. We had a church in the Capitol Theater in downtown Rome. Nobody was using the Capitol, it was empty. So we, we I mean, 1,800 seats, what are you gonna do with 1,800 seats? So nobody went in the balcony. And we roped off a section in the front, people came. We had, we had live music, we had, a, we had about 100, my wife says 150, we had about 150 people that were coming and we, and we lost everything. And, I, and I, was, I was so disgruntled. I felt like such a failure. It's like, God, and I was so mad because I felt like we'd given everything for God. We'd done everything that we, that we knew to do, and we had lost everything. We lost the church. We lost everything, all our equipment. And, uh, and I was so mad at God. I said, that's it. I'm never doing this again. I, and I went to work. I went to work as a, as a manager of a friendly ice cream. Can you believe it? Did that for a year and a half. I said, God, I'm never doing this again. I'm done with you. Done with this ministry stuff. I was mad, I was angry. But after about a year and a half, I was dying on the inside. I came home one day from work, and I said to my wife, I can't do this anymore. I could do it mentally, I could do it physically, but I was dying. I felt like I was dying on the inside. I said, we gotta go back in ministry. We started over again with, with, with a handful of people at the Lake Delta Volunteer Fire Department in, uh, I think it was January of 1992. And the first service we had just my family. When I say us, I mean myself, my wife, <clears throat> and our five kids. Us and two, that was the first service. Second service was us and one. Third service was us and none. You know, it's tough when you, when you start with two people and you start losing them. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were negative growing. And the, fourth, and the last service, I think, was us and two again. Well, we were back up to two. So in one week, we doubled our attendance. <laughs> but God began to move, and people started coming slowly, very slowly. Whoa, slowly. People started coming slowly. And I had one guy call me up one time. He said, uh, would it be all right if we came to your church? I said, is it all right? Bring your dog. I mean, we're counting, we're counting, we're counting the flies on the wall. We're counting everything. Just come. But God started to move. And here's the point. 
I want us to, I want to, Peter denied him. I can't, I can't, I can't almost imagine how Peter felt, not just that day, not just the night, but the next day, hour after hour, day after day. It's like, I denied him. I walked with him for three years. I was his right, I was kind of one of his right-hand men. And now I've denied him. He, he doesn't want me anymore. I, I'm no good. And, and in John 21, <clears throat> Peter says, you know what? I'm, I'm going fishing. Let's just go fishing. Let's go back to this, back to what we know to do. So in John chapter 21, <clears throat> the Bible says he goes back to fishing. Well, turn with me there. Turn with me to John chapter 21. In John 21, it says, listen, listen to what it says in verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll come with you. And they went out and got in the boat and caught nothing. When they had fished all night, they had caught nothing. Verse 4, but when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul in because of a great number of fish. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. What did Jesus do? I believe when they caught those fish, Peter had a deja vu moment. You remember what it said? What was, what, was his first, what was Peter's first encounter with Jesus? He let him his boat, and he said, go out in the deep and let your net down for a catch. And Peter denied, Peter denied Jesus, and he felt like he was out of it. I'm done. Jesus wouldn't have nothing to do with me. But Jesus comes back and basically does the same thing. He sets up the same scenario. Let your net down. He let the net, he caught a fish. And he said, you know what? I think Jesus is saying, we're going to start this over again. It's like we're going back to the beginning. We're doing it again. Can I tell you something? It's, you, may, you, may have, you may have missed God sometime in your life. You may have done some things you said you never would do again. You may have slipped. You may have fallen. But I tell you, and the devil comes and he tells you, God will have nothing to do with you. He doesn't want you anymore. You've missed it. You, you're going to be a, like a, a second-class Christian if, 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 if that. God doesn't want anything to do with you. But God came to Peter, and it's like he's saying, Peter, we're going to start all over again. Let down your net. We're going to catch fish. Now you're going to be catching men. And the same Peter, and God totally restores him. And later on in that chapter, he said, the, the, the three times, he said, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? He, the cancel, he cancels out the three denials, and he receives Peter back to himself. And that same Peter that denied Jesus, the same Peter that feels like he was no good anymore, that God couldn't use him, he, pre he preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. He wrote scripture in Acts chapter 5. He, it says even Peter's shadow was healing people. Peter was used 
in, in Acts chapter 10 to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter wrote scripture. He was God's, he was one of God's principles men. He, I tell you, God is not done with you. If you've missed God, if you've kind of turned your back on God. And I was thinking of Jonah. You know, Jonah was running from the call of God. But you know what it says in, I love this scripture. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Hallelujah. It's like, you ran away from the first time? I'm not done with you. Yeah, you, you, got, you, you had to go through some struggles. Uh, you got swallowed by a fish. You got spit up. But now we're starting over again. Hallelujah. I'm thinking of the prodigal son. He, he didn't just miss God. He walked away from God. The father in that, in that parable is God. And he took his inheritance and he went back to the world. And he's drinking and sleeping around and living like an absolute heathen. But one of these days, he came to his senses. He says, I'm going back to my father's house. And what happened? The father saw him, the Bible says, a long way off, and what? And ran to him, ran to him. He didn't just, he didn't just say, yeah, come here. You shouldn't have done that. You were wrong. I'm going to straighten you out. You're going to have to pay some. No, he ran to him, and he hugged him, and he said, welcome home. I tell you, God wants to welcome home some people. There's some people... You're here, so I'm preaching to somebody who's not here. But there's some people that need to come back to God. I want to say this. You, you used to walk with God close. You used to have fellowship with him. You loved him. You felt his presence and his anointing in your life. And now you, you, you hardly pray. You hardly go to church. Come on back. God is calling you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He loves you. He misses you. He wants, you, he wants to restore you. To, to the original relationship that you had. He wants you to know this fellowship again. He's a, he's a, God is a God of second chance. You know, I couldn't believe it. The first song we sang, it says, he has given you a second chance. And I thought, that's my message today. God is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. Amen. I want to, amen, Richard. Amen. I don't mean to pick on Richard, but I tell you, What's that? You know, Richard, he fell and he came back. He fell and he came back. He fell and he came back. And now he's back, 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 back. You know, and God always took him back. Why? Because God loves you. The same way that you take your child back, God takes you back. So I just want to talk to somebody today. You're not as close to God as you used to be. And you want to be. So, you know, and here's the problem. The longer you stay away from church, the harder it is to come back. Because you, you feel almost embarrassed to walk back in. Come on, walk back in. Tell the devil to go to hell where he belongs. And walk back into church. And come back to God. Hallelujah. Come back to God. Come back to God. God, God will restore you totally. And yeah, you might have to, there might be a penalty to pay. I know David's great sin with Bathsheba. You know, I thought, I, I thank God that I'm, I'm not in the same position. David, David made one major mistake in his life and it was written in scripture for the world to know. I mean, people have been reading, reading about David's sin for thousands of years. Thank God he didn't write about me. And you're probably thanking God he didn't write about you. I feel God... But David, yeah, the baby died. 
And yeah, a sword, the Bible says, a sword would never leave his house. But God restored him, and God forgave him, and, he, and God still used him. And here's to me, I don't know if I should say this or not, but it's the truth. What's amazing to me is the succession. The next king, Solomon, came from who? Bathsheba. Isn't that amazing? God didn't, God didn't throw anything away. He didn't say, no, I can't use you. You committed adultery. No, I'll forgive you, I'll restore you, and I'll even make the next king come from you. Don't listen to the devil. Don't listen to his condemnation. Don't listen to his, his lies. It tells you that you can't, you can't be who God's called you to be. You absolutely can. So I just want to encourage somebody to come back to God with all your heart. You may be kind of sitting on the edge. Come back. Come back. God loves you. He wants to restore you. He's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chance. He'll give you every chance you need. You know, I just can't, I just can't get over one. <clears throat> we had a woman come to our house years ago now. Sweet woman. She really is. Sweet, godly woman. And she said, I feel, uh, she just had this his cloud over her. She said, I feel like a second-class Christian. I said, why is that? Because I'm divorced. It's like it wasn't even your fault. Your husband ran off with another woman. It wasn't even your fault. And the devil, the devil came and wants to tell her she's, she's, God can never really use her because she's divorced. I thought, you kidding? Catherine Coleman was divorced. Kenneth Copeland was divorced. Come on. Richard Roberts. All Roberts' son Richard has been divorced. People make mistakes. I mean, but you, I don't mean you can be flipping about your sin and just say, well, I'll do whatever and God will forgive me. And that's No. We need, we need to always be diligent to not sin. But God will forgive you if you make a mistake. And he'll restore you. And he'll take you back because he loves you. I just want to encourage somebody to come back. Come back with all your heart. God loves you. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. Father, I pray for your presence. I pray for your anointing, Lord. I pray for a spirit of conviction. Not conviction of sin, but conviction of your love and your grace and your mercy. For those who have kind of just cooled off within a relationship with you. Get them on fire again, Lord. Let the, light the fire again in, the, in their lives. Bring them back to you with all their heart. Let them serve you again the way they used to. Let them walk after you the way they used to. Restore them, O oh God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. O oh God. I, I don't feel to have an altar call, but I do feel to take a minute and just, if, if this message has been speaking to you, then tell God, tell him right now, God, I'm coming back with all my heart. I'm coming back to you with all my heart. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my lukewarmness. Thank you, Lord, for restoring me. Thank you, Lord, for receiving me with open arms, for loving me, for forgiving me, and for restoring me to fellowship with you in Jesus' name. 
I commit to you. I commit to following you like I did before. I commit to walking after you with all my heart like I used to. I thank you, Lord, for bringing me back. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.